As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Joined as ever by Global Greg Evans and Holly Percival to talk through the week in Claret and Blue. Holly, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's nice to not talk about a defeat for once, although I feel like we're about to talk about the world's most boring game of football, so it's going to be an interesting podcast. Uncharted territory, I don't think we've had a nil-nil all season, have we, Greg? I can't remember the last nil-nil Villa would have had, it feels a long time ago. No, no, not this season, it was the first one, and uh, quite timely, actually. I think Villa desperately needed a clean sheet, so a couple of uh, positives to talk about this week. Yeah, we will come on to that Leicester Classic later on in the show, but we're going to start with the news that Jacob Ramsey yesterday signed a five-year contract. Greg, I don't think there'd been any rumours of this, but when it was announced, it obviously wasn't a massive surprise because he's had a breakthrough season. Yeah, not a big surprise. You know, I've been hearing whispers about uh, Villa wanted to tie him down for a longer-term deal and just reward him, really, for for his season. You know, he was on a contract previously um, where he was relatively low-paid and for a player who is probably one of the first people on the team sheet now for Steven Gerrard. You know, he he starts every game, doesn't he, Dan? Um, For somebody who he's doing so well, he's on a breakthrough season, Villa want to keep him around. Um, They they wanted to reward him um, and give him that additional security. And, and protect themselves as well, of course, uh, moving forward. Any, any 100 million clauses in this one? <laughs> um, I don't know the finer details around the contract uh, at this point in time. I don't know for sure. <laughs> Let's hope that Villa are in a much better, you know, on a serious note, Villa are, on a, are now in a much better position where they um, can almost hold the power a little bit more over the players. You know, they, they learnt from, Jack, from the Jack Grealish uh, situation that there was nothing really they could do um, that was the only reason Jack Grealish was going to sign an extension at Villa by having that clause inserted into his contract um, and, and look Villa were you know Villa negotiated it as well that they could have put higher fee in, in there if they wanted to but they chose to settle at 100 million felt that 100 million pound would be uh, the right um, amount if another club came in for him but moving forward they they want to be in a stronger position where they can protect themselves um, and just hold that power so yeah let's hope that Jacob Ramsey is at Villa for a long term uh, and and continues performing well. 
Yeah, he's kind of cemented himself in the team, Holly, and as the local boy now, the the local hero, the fancying Jacob Ramsey, he's, he's one of our own. It has been good in the fact that as Villa did lose one local hero, another one's come straight to the fore. Yeah, definitely. I think Villa, you know, pride themselves off of the youth players that they, they're able to bring in around the age of 16, 17, keep a hold of and then, and then give them their first professional contracts and... You know, it's almost like Grealish 2.0 in the sense that Jacob Ramsey's burst into the first team and really made his mark. Obviously, he doesn't play the same position as Jack Grealish, but both, uh, you know, have offered so much to the team in very different aspects. And hopefully with Jacob Ramsey, and he spoke obviously about his ambition for European football with Villa as well, that, you know, he knows what the club's ambitions are and, and the vision is for the club. And he's definitely on board with that, which is always kind of reassuring to see when you've got youth players who are wanting to commit to the club now and, you know, obviously Villa have got a couple of players who aren't as sure of that. You know, Chukwemeka isn't, you know, tying down that contract just yet. So I think it's reassuring that Villa are able to keep some of those youth players now and continue to develop them under the manager, such a great manager of Steven Gerrard. Rewind to the start of the season, Greg. Obviously, it's very much like now. We were all talking about the midfield and the need for a central midfielder. But I think, and Ramsey said this himself, actually, in, in the interview. I don't think many people at the start of the season were like, Jacob Ramsey's going to play as many games as he as he, as he has, and I don't think many people. It didn't feel like many people were having him. If you get if you get what I mean, I think I think he said himself that he struggled with with a bit of confidence, struggled to impose himself in games last season. But from that first game at Watford away, he came on, and you could see he was different. You could see he was a, a, a different player. His his physique seemed to have a bit more about him as well. It's a big turnaround from what he was doing last season because he he has scored goals, he has got assists and he has made impacts on games. I think he's had a good season. The last few weeks have, have been a little bit quieter than they were previously. You know, he hasn't scored or, or set up a goal for for a while now. So maybe that's why um, we're starting to think that, he, that his form's dipped a little bit. But I still think he's having a big part to play in that midfield and I, and I still think he's had a very good season. I was up close, you know, quite close to him after, after the game... Um, at Leicester, and he's now developed into you know a proper man. Now he's not a boy anymore. Um, he's got a, a decent size on him now. He's, he's broadening out a little bit. He's quite tall actually. I've, I've noticed that he has he has grown a little bit um, in in like the last six to to nine months. Um, and I think he just believes in himself a lot more now. We were, we were discussing at the back end of last season. We're waiting for that real breakthrough moment. That real game where he. Um, uh, you know where he stands out ahead of everybody else, and and I just felt he was a little bit nervous, perhaps in front of goal. Um, when he went on loan to Doncaster, he was making those bursting runs through the middle, scoring goals quite regular. I think he got three goals in in six games, and then COVID ended his, um, you know, his loan spell. But playing with Coutinho has really helped him. I think he makes those runs, or at least he was making those runs, and he was getting those passes and scoring goals. I think playing with Coutinho has helped him massively. Um, and, and, and the goals and the assists and, and, and the numbers that are stacking up has just given him that confidence to kick on now. Yeah, some good goals as well, Holly. Both feet as, as well. You know, he's gone from zero goals to six goals. I think he's on now. That That's a big leap. Definitely. I, I feel like it's easy to almost forget a couple of those goals because out of the six goals he scored... Only one of those games we've Villa have won, two they've drawn, and then obviously lost the the other goals that he's uh, in the other games he scored goals in, um, which I probably is more to do with the defensive aspect for Villa. Obviously, his game against Man United in Coutinho's debut was uh, uh, Villa Park debut was unbelievable. Um, so hopefully Ramsey's goals and assists will be more beneficial in terms of helping Villa secure three points for the remainder of the season and into next season as well. 
Um, I was also having a look at kind of, I was intrigued to find out whose passing completion percentage was better between Ramsey, Louise and McGinn as they play in that midfield three. And I assumed that Ramsey's wouldn't be quite as high because I feel like his passes are, are, are more attacking minded and kind of more threatening and therefore easy to, to be cut out. But Ramsey's pass completion is 86.2%, whereas McGinn is 75 and, and Douglas Louise 82.7%. So I think the fact that Ramsey is able to kind of find those clinical passes and, like Greg said, make those attacking runs, it's all just part of his game that's improved massively compared to last season. So I'd be really intrigued to just see where, where next season takes him because, like Greg said, he's already at like a, a, a key name in Gerard Stein 11 and I think it'd be hard to take him out of that again at the start of next season. You presume he'll kick on again next season as well and you'll see him go up another level, so that's going to be an encouraging thing because he's arguably been Villa's player of the season this time round. Got a quote from him here. I do my best Jacob Ramsey impression. Luckily, I already sound a little bit like him. I've been here for a long time now, come through the academy and to sign for another five years at this club, I'm over the moon. I feel like I've been playing well this season, so it's nice to be rewarded with a new contract. The owners and the gaffer have got big ambitions. My plan for the next five years is to get this club playing European football again. Greg... Steven Gerrard really likes him. You don't hear him wax lyrical about too many players, but Jacob Ramsey is one that he spoke about nearly every week, isn't he? Yeah, and when and when the when Gerrard and his coaching team first arrived at Villa, he he was the player that was um, generating the most interest. You know that there was real genuine excitement um, after just a few training sessions because they believed that he could really kick on, um, and I think he has done that. I think often what we forget is for a player to score six Premier League goals. I mean. It's it's really really hard to do. Some strikers don't get that. Yeah, in I mean, modern day. You know, the, you think of the percentage of people that actually end up doing that in in England. It's so so minor, and, and for a nineteen year old local great bar lad to to be doing that, he, he's brilliant. And I just think it's a it's a great success story. You know, I've I've seen some supporters on Twitter saying that um, you know he needs to be pulled out of the team because he hasn't been performing as well as he has been in recent weeks. You know, perhaps at some point he 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 will be rotated around and other players will come in. But I just think when you get such a great success story like that, you got to celebrate it and and you've got to enjoy it as a supporter because it, it just doesn't happen so often. So um, yeah, br- brilliant, brilliant for him. You know, re- genuinely fair play and. Um, I've written about Ramsey and his family many times. You know that there's there's three of them. Aaron Ramsey's on loan at Cheltenham, and now enjoying his first loan spell out. There's another another Ramsey brother, Cole, who I think is 15 or 16 now. He's he's in the he's in the youth development team. So I mean, you know what an incredible story it would be if if not only Jacob can come through, but if Aaron and Cole can even progress as well I mean it's just such a rare thing you never hear of two players let alone three um, from the same family appearing for a football club so the future looks bright for them yeah good week for the Ramsey family as well Holly brother Aaron as Greg says he's having a loan spell out at the moment he scored his first senior professional goal for Cheltenham yeah I really like those little kind of mini series that almost Villa are doing where you kind of go and get to see the the loanees out at the clubs and, and how they're getting on and uh, you know, you can. I feel like you can already see a real confidence growing in Aaron, and um, hopefully that kind of first senior goal will really help him. I think, obviously, potentially. I know I have a twin sister, and we're like passively competitive with each other. So I feel like Aaron is probably going to want to come back to Villa in the summer, try and show. Okay, well, yes, this is great that Jacob's great, but this is also why I'm great, and I reckon there'll be a real competitive edge between the two of them. So it's going to be really exciting to see how he progresses. I'd, I don't know about you guys. I don't know. Maybe one more season out on loan somewhere where he can kind of continue to build confidence is what he needs. But then 
I mean, the world is oyster at Aston Villa, and, and like like we said, Steven Gerrard seems to be really on board with with both Jacob and Aaron and having them in the club. So, again, another exciting time for for a youth prospect at Aston Villa. Yeah, seamless transition there, Holly, because you mentioned the loan series. And after we had a moan about the shortage of player interviews last week, there is some good stuff on the club YouTube at the moment, going around and interviewing some of the players that are out there on loan. Here's Aaron talking to the media team. Everything on the pitch, off the pitch, really enjoying it, yeah. Different to what I'm used to, 23's level, international level, but um, I'm learning and that's all you come out on loan to do is learn. I always think I can do better, always. I think it's a good thing I've got that because you don't want to get too high on the highs and then, which I probably am too low on the lows, but um, always want to set high standards, always want to improve yourself. I think every footballer should have that. I think I've got that from my brother. <laughs> yeah, my brother checks on me a lot. Um, before a game, he'll wish me luck in our group chat. I wish him luck, wish little brother luck as well. And then um, I watch his games, obviously, because Sport Villa. Um, and I'll give him feedback if he wants any. Some games he watches my games and um, he'll give me feedback. And if I'm not running about, he'll get onto me for that. <laughs> I think I sat down maybe a week ago and just thought about it, and it's crazy what he's doing playing week in, week out in the Premier League and doing it for his boyhood club, Aston Villa. So you can't get much better than that. And I'm really proud for him. And it just drives me to get there. My main takeaway from that, Greg, is that I'm having that music. I think his voice quite goes quite well with the music as well, doesn't it? Yeah. To the beat. Yeah, it was really good. Really, really enjoyed that music. And, and good to hear from the lone players as well, as we said, Holla. He just, like I said, he sounds a bit more confident. And, and I think even like that little bit of information of hearing about how him and his brothers message and wish them well and also are, are more than happy to critique each other is a, a really nice little piece of information just to get to know the players more. A bit like us in our WhatsApp group, always loads of con- constructive criticism going around in that <laughs> WhatsApp group. Now, I don't sound as much like Michael Duff, I imagine, but here's what he said about Aaron Ramsey. Michael Duff is the Cheltenham manager. I take him back in a heartbeat because I see him every day in training. He can do things other people can't. Greg, I think when you think of the Ramsey brothers and what you've heard about them coming through, it was Aaron who probably perhaps they were more excited about or you heard more about, but that just shows you again, testament to Jacob, how far he's come. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the reasons that Jacob was kept on at a slightly younger age was was to, to keep sort of the family happy and keep Aaron happy. Aaron was the star boy coming through. But it just shows, doesn't it? You, you, you cannot judge footballers at, at those tender teenage ages. You've, you've got to give them time to develop um, because clearly Jacob's kicked on and, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a Premier League player now, isn't he? We, we, can, we can safely say he's a Premier League player and, and he deserves to be there. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, not many people do that. So it's a great success story. Very youth team or youth prospect focused this podcast so far today. And we are going to talk about Timmy Rogbenham later on in part two. Don't forget that you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months. Just head to theathletic.com slash fillerpod. You'll get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's do it then. Leicester nil, Villa nil. Greg, you were there. It stops the rot, doesn't it? And they looked more solid. So as much as it wasn't the best game of football that's ever been watched... I think there are some positives in that aspect. Yeah, and no, uh, look, I think Leicester are still a decent side. You know, they're very, very well coached. Brendan Rodgers always has, um, you know, a, a different tactic or a different formation or system up his sleeve, um, and and has been known to to surprise many other clubs and managers in the Premier League. So the fact that Villa were able to go there, keep a clean sheet, limit them to only real, really a handful of chances, was a real plus point. I think. It just feels a little bit with Villa this season that when they get something right, there's something else missing. It, you know, you're just still asking, you're just still asking, aren't you? When's it all going to come together? You let's let's that, not limit that to this season. That's a bit <laughs> life as a Villa fan. <laughs> you you want that defensive solidity which they showed in that game, but then a little bit of attacking enterprise as well to go with it. Because okay, it's great that you you know you set up defensively and and you're a little bit more solid and you and you cut out the attacks. But you've got to give supporters something to be excited about. Now, maybe that will come in the next few weeks. Yeah, maybe that was just the stepping stone that they needed. I, I, in my in my post match report, um, which I which I wrote up for Monday, I found myself being edging more towards the positive side than the negative side. And look, a nil nil draw, you can look at it either way, can't you? You can say, well, you haven't scored. And you can say, well, you haven't conceded and and which way do you take it? I think for that specific game, it was important for Villa to keep a clean sheet, to stop the run of four defeats and build from there. The the key now for them is the Norwich game, then the Burnley game. Liverpool is going to be tough. You've got Palace as well and another game against Burnley. Man City is obviously going to be tough. But for the six remaining games, Villa, I expect them to go and win those games. So... Really, they've got to get three out of four wins for the fans to be satisfied and give them some momentum going into next season. How important this nil-nil draw will be at Leicester, we will see in the weeks ahead. What one thing what I did pick up on Stephen Gerrard after the game, he said, if we'd have defended like that against Brentford or against Newcastle when we when we lost away from home, we wouldn't have lost those games, and those points would have pulled them up the table. Um, and it's important for the players, you know, how how high they finish up in the table because. Um, you know, it can be beneficial for them financially. I'm going to be honest, Holly, it doesn't feel like we've kept 10 clean sheets this season, funnily enough, but they've set themselves a target of 13 for the end of the season, so three more to go to hit the end of season target. No, it definitely feels like we've conceded more, and I guess, I don't know, maybe that's just because it, it feels like, like Greg said, it's either been an attacking area where we've struggled or a defensive area we've struggled. And I feel like in recent weeks, obviously defensively, that's that's where we have struggled the most. We have across the whole Premier League, the last five games, Villa do have the worst record, which is obviously quite a worrying thing to, to think about, especially when people are now starting to mention, are oh, Villa getting dragged into the relegation battle? But like Greg said, I think if we can keep those clean sheets, build on those, like you said, get those three to hit the target, I think, you know, 
that should be considered a positive for Villa. Um, I think it's quickly, it's quite easy to quickly think about the, the season as a whole and 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 quickly kind of like become negative. But ultimately, it's like Greg said, how they end on this, how they end the season, how high they can finish, and, and there's definitely plenty of games that Villa can can end a positive note on. Yeah, I watched the game live, Greg, and at the time when I was watching it, I wasn't frustrated, but I was just thinking oh, that wasn't very good. But then when I watched Match of the Day and I thought about the game a bit more, I was more with you. In coming coming out with with the positives from it because well, I'm not saying Villa looked like they were going to score a hat full of goals but they did carry a threat on the break and I look at it as if to say that plan for that game I would say that was a, a good game plan it, it nearly worked we might have nicked a, a one nil on another day the issue I've now got is yes they've got sort they've solided themselves up but you know against Norwich at home it's going to require a different kind of game plan. Yeah, and and just just to touch on you know the the chat that you and Holly just had there in terms of the the ten clean sheets, Villa have only won eleven games. They 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 drew nil nil for the first time at the weekend. So if you look at the patterns there, it pretty much means when Villa win, they keep a clean sheet. And if you look back onto last season, similar patterns are emerging. When Villa can see, we keep last season. It felt like we kept loads last season. 16, it probably wasn't that much think, more. Was it, 16 it might be sixty. I think it, think it was. Yeah, I need to double check. But if you look back to last season, I think it was fifteen. I think fifteen it was three, it, yeah. or didn't it? Equal That's three, right. Was record yeah, yeah. we didn't break it. Yeah. Um, if you look back to last season, when Villa conceded first, typically they lost. When they scored first, they typically go on to win. Now it's very similar this time because, especially under Gerrard, because the only game that they've gone behind and, and ended up winning, as we discussed in last week's podcast, was the was the home game against Leicester. So, so every other win has been a clean sheet. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's mad. It must have been. Well, they've kept ele- they've they've won eleven games and they've kept ten clean sheets this season. So. No, nine out of the eleven means nine out of the eleven have been um, wins. I've had a countdown. This am I right? Am I masking all over the place? Yeah, but but look, I mean, look, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is that it's it's they, you know, when they win, they typically tend to keep a clean sheet. It doesn't feel normal that you would only only win games where you keep a clean sheet. That's not a normal. It's not a normal thing, is it? That's why it's so quite. You know, that's why it's so unusual, and then. That's why it's also so frustrating because you think Villa are so close to getting it right, but at times they just feel so far away. Um, yeah, okay. You, you you said about the Norwich game, didn't you? Going into this Norwich game, you know, it has to be a different type of performance. I think first and foremost, what they have to do is stick to what they did at Leicester. Get that platform, get that foundation right, then they don't concede. If they don't concede, then they don't lose the game and then it's not too much of a of a disappointment. What needs to change is, is up front. I mean, Ollie Watkins, I felt so sorry for him. I actually thought he had a good game. He had a really good game. And anyone who says he, does, he didn't doesn't really know football because he had a great... It, it, other than scoring, he had a very good game. He was just a bit isolated. He worked extremely hard. He was let down a little bit by those around him. Philip Coutinho had 24 touches, which is unbe- unbelievably poor. You know, he was anonymous. Um, absolutely anonymous. Uh, Leon Bailey didn't do much better in the first half in particular. It just wasn't working for him. Um Hopefully, uh, the, you know that 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 ninety minutes will give him um, a platform to build on uh, in the next game against Norwich. Stephen Gerrard was asked after the game why did Leon Bailey start. You know, I think reporters kind of wondering why he's not performing as well. Um, but but Gerrard said he was one of the best performers in training over the last ten days, so that's why he earned his chance to play. Um, I'm not quite sure what Wendy is doing in training if if Bailey's getting in ahead of him because um, I actually think. 
if you look at Villa's most productive spells in games, or at least their most, not not most productive, sorry, their most creative spells in games, it tends to be when Buendia's been on the pitch. Now, results-wise, haven't been great when he's been on the pitch, but I do think Villa are a much more creative outlet when he plays. Um, and I, I'd still like to see uh, Buendia and Coutinho playing together. You know, maybe Norwich, bottom of the league, would be the, at home would be the perfect op- opportunity to try that. Let's uh, a bit more dangerous when Buendia was on the pitch, I thought, Holler. He, he came very, very close to opening the scoring as well. And the way, the way he presses, I, I still think he's unfortunate not to be in the team. But then I also look at it and think, I can understand why he's not in the team because there isn't a natural fit for him at times. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, when like you said, when Buendia, Buendia was on the pitch, I felt like Watkins was slightly less isolated because Buendia's movement on and off the ball is has been better than, than Leon Bailey's, in my opinion. Um, and that, and also Coutinho's, especially over recent weeks for, for, for Coutinho. So, I mean, yeah, I was kind of thinking about this before the podcast and I wanted to know what you guys think. Assuming that Buendia starts against Norwich, his former club, who would you take off for him? Bailey or would you keep Coutinho? Because Coutinho actually has a decent record when he plays at Villa Park. I think you've got to keep Coutinho in there, haven't you? He's just, I mean, for me, he's, he's a home player. He plays really well at home, not so well away from home. So against bottom of the league. You know Norwich, you'd you'd stick with him. I would like to see Coutinho, Buendia, and Watkins. You know, with a, with another three behind them, whether that's Louise McGinn Ramsey or or Nakamba um, McGinn and Ramsey, or even Eric Boonham after his impressive performance. I think that's a, a good way forward. It's just if you if you play Eric Boonham and you play Buendia and Coutinho, you perhaps lose a little bit. Um, of, of of sort of know-how defensively. Okay, Eric Boonham is that type of player, but is there too much pressure on him then with two with three real attacking players out on the pitch and not many offering defensively? But then saying that, is Buendia much of a difference into, uh, than Baylor in terms of what he produces defensively? So there are a lot of I options think Brendan still for presses Villa. and works hard, I would say. I think that he does, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Bailey was for the Leicester game because I think we were trying to play a bit more on the break and he's got a bit more pace. It didn't work, but... I think that was probably the thinking behind it. Whereas at home, you're going to be trying to break someone down. I'd imagine Buendia will play over Baylor. That's what I was kind of thinking. And I I think for that reason, I'd prefer Buendia, especially against Norwich, than, than Bailey. I, I, I don't know why. It almost feels like Gerard's too scared to play like Coutinho and, and Buendia quite far out. And I, I'd be happy if it was quite a tight front three. played them together a lot. Three. Yeah. I just feel like it, it, there's, I, there'd be nothing wrong in my mind in trying to have a really tight front three against Norwich and play those through balls in quite quickly and kind of work the ball into the box a little bit more rather than taking it out wide, which I feel like it's kind of been inconsistent when we've tried to try and play that way. I think another issue at the moment is we haven't got that left-footed left-back. Yeah. So we've done, we're losing a bit a bit of width. I don't, I don't know whether that's playing into the, the team selection a little bit in, in some way. Stephen Gerrard would obviously know more than me. Let's talk Tim, Greg. Everyone, all, me and you were talking about about him yesterday, but everything coming out of the club is that he's going to be a big part of Aston Villa. Yeah, I'm like, I'm really trying to just stay measured and not get too carried away about it because I'd, I'd love to see him play 90 minutes and then start analysing his performance. Um, look, I've, I've watched him at under 23. And, you say and, that, Greg, but you've just done an article. No, 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 I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because there's, there's, there's so much hype about him now after that performance that it would have been wrong of me to to not analyse his performance, um, you know, in a bit more detail and give the readers and explain to the readers exactly what he did during the game. I mean, he only had seven touches. <laughs> he had seven touches, like... A good, what a seven, though. Th- they were really good moments. You know, he, he, he looked strong in the air. He won his attacking duels. Um, 
he pressed quite aggressively uh, and didn't get it. And what what I noticed as well is even on the times where he didn't win the ball, he turned Leicester back um, and, and and stopped them playing forward, which is a real you know plus point. And the fact that on the few occasions where he was beaten, he he was able to track back and use his pace to win the ball back. Uh, there was one particular occasion, which you'll, you'll see in the article, um, which highlights that. So I just think his size uh, it, it will give Villa something different. You know, he, he, he can be commanding um, in the air in those midfield areas. Which Louise and, and McGinn. How tall is he, Greg? Uh, I, don't, I don't know his, his exact height, but he's bloody growing. I don't know what he's eating <laughs> at Body Moreith, but he. he and Dyer's Ramsay. You know, he, he, he's growing all the time. But I mean, you, you forget these are 18 year old lads. They're going to be growing. You know, they, they have still got development in them. They're so young. Um, so that they're, they're going to broaden, they're going to heighten, you know. Exciting times for him. I think he could be a really good player. Um, he seems to have the right mentality as well. Uh, doesn't get overawed by these situations. Um, and to come on, you know, he came on in a time where the Leicester fans were really on top of Villa. Uh, Vardy had just come on. Harvey Barnes came on uh, towards the end. The, the atmosphere was 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 quite, um, uh, you know, up in terms of the home supporters at that point. So he came on at a, a difficult time. And just calmed everything down. Yeah, he did that nice little intricate outside of the boot pass. That was the bit where I sat there and was like, mm, "Yeah, yeah, I like what you're about. I like your style." Yeah, and if if you look back at what he did in the in the um, in the seconds before that, you know, he's he's closed down. Uh, I think it was Dewsbury Hall stopped him from playing forward and and, and pushed him back, which you know is 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 equally as important. It's winning the ball back and then using it effectively. Yeah, do go which back. Is what he seems to be able to do. Do go back and read Greg's piece if you are a subscriber, and if you're not a subscriber, remember you can use that offer on theathletic.com/slash/villapod, and you can read all about Tim. I've stopped saying his second name now because Greg and myself were pre- pronouncing it differently and I'm not sure who's right it's probably Greg so I'm just calling him Tim for the rest of the podcast I'm going with Eric Boonham Is, uh, you got a different pronunciation I was going to Arogbenham Arogbenham okay we can emphasise the O's or the E's however we like you know we'll find out for next week and we'll see who's <laughs> correct <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk WSL now and Holly, an excellent result against Manchester United at the weekend. Another nil-nil. It's a weekend for nil-nils for, for Villa, but that was a good nil-nil. Massively. Uh, I think Manchester United will walk away from that very frustrated, especially because at times they were they were definitely on top and, and they're pushing to make a Champions League football and the draw against Villa m- might potentially cost them that because Man City are still continuing to gain momentum right all the way up to the end of this season. So... From the top of the table point of view, that that battle will be really interesting. But for Villa women, 21 points now, six more than last season. So you know it's really good progress um, with with a few left ga- with a few games left to go. Sorry, um, 
yeah, like you said, a really good performance. Sean Rogers had to come in goal. Hannah Hampton, Villa knew prior to the game that she was a doubt. Sean Rogers has stepped up massively, made some really key saves. Really good saves. Yeah, really, 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 really good, good saves. Yeah. Um, you know, Manchester United dominated that front 18 shots, six on target. So for Villa to keep that clean sheet while not having the highest amount of possession and the highest amount of threats, they did, you know, pose a few and they, they kind of caught Manchester United out a couple of times early on in the game. But... Again, just shows the progress Aston Villa and Carla Ward are making because I think at the start of the season when they were still kind of trying to find their feet under Carla Ward a little bit, that result probably wouldn't have been as likely. But to walk away from that this weekend, still fighting all the way through to the end of the season is is a really positive look for Villa. Yeah, and some big news. I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? It was announced that Anita Asante is bringing to a close an excellent career, a legend of the game. She announced her retirement from playing in quite grand style this week. For 25 years, I've played this game. I've won, I've lost, and lived everything in between. I was told girls weren't meant to play this game. I was told I'd have to work twice as hard to make it in this game. So I did. Four FA Cups, a Champions League, league titles in England, the US and Sweden. 71 caps for England, from Northwest London to the White House. This game has taken me around the world. In this game, I found my purpose. In this game, I found my voice. In this game, I lived a dream I never knew was possible. But I know, in this game, we still have barriers to break. To ensure that girls like me get to experience the best of this game. I may be leaving the pitch, but my football journey will continue. Because I want to make sure that this game will one day be everyone's game. Big music again. Yeah. Big music on the pod today. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost like a movie trailer. Like, she's she's retiring at the end of the season, yet that, that little, like, video that's been put together for her retirement announcement, like... I, I feel inspired. So like to think about... A bit rocker. Yeah, like so to think about what the impact that will do for, for young girls seeing her announce her retirement yet kind of hinting at all the plans that she's going to have coming up. Um, you know, she's a very um, like important figure in the LGBTQ plus community and also campaigns for, for show races and the red card, I think is, is the, camp- the, the organization that she's an ambassador for as well. Um, she's just, I think... She's been in the women's game for so long that it, she's so easily well known now, and and I think that's so so important that she's then going to continue that her work off the pitch. I mean, she's part of the only English team to ever win the Champions League. That is one of the highest accolades you can ever have in, in women's football. And you know, for for her to end her career at Villa as well is like a really, I think, from a Villa fan point of view, in my point of view, it's a really nice thing because she's you know really become committed to the club and and inspired so many young girls at Aston Villa who are continuing to bring in a lot of amazing youth players as well so I'm excited to see what what she does off the pitch because she's it sounds like she's got a lot of amazing plans coming up been a big signing for Villa over over the last couple of years would would have really stamped some authority on, on the players and brought a lot of know-how a lot of experience that, that's been a, a really good signing and like you say nice for her to end her career at Villa of course she'll be bringing the curtain down against Birmingham City on Sunday the 8th of May 
will be there. That should be a should be a great day, shouldn't it? And hopefully she'll get a fitting send off getting to play at Villa Park. Yeah, it's exciting. And Blues won on the weekend, so they're not down and out just yet. So it could now potentially be that their their fate is decided at Villa Park. So, I mean, from a Villa's point of view, it'd be nice to get Blues relegated, but it'll be nice to then see Asante have have a really nice farewell. And I'm, I mean, I'm just excited to to go to Villa Park again. Yeah, and you never know. Maybe a bit of dabbling in journalism for her as well because she's done a self-interview on The Athletic guided by Sarah Shepard. So again, if you've not read that yet, do go and check it out. We've got plenty more women's content coming next week. So yeah, keep your eye on what we've got going on. We'll be talking about the lead-up to that Blues game next week. Just before we finish, a little interesting one that the producer's put in here. I'm sure he's just trying to troll us at this point. Newcastle, of course, now well ahead of Villa. Chris Woff, the Athletics Newcastle correspondent, did a quick straw poll on Twitter for Newcastle fans. Should the club sign Matty Target permanently? And it was a resounding 97.6% that said yes, Greg. Shows the impact he, that he's had over there, doesn't it? Up there, doesn't it? Um, I, th- I think he's been great for them. I think he's been a big part of uh, the dis- the defensive st- solidity that they've now got. Um, great transfer window they had. I said it at the time. I said that they brought in players yeah, that would improve. I, I was the opposite of you. I wasn't sure, but yeah, really good. Great transfer window. And, and Guimaraes now, obviously, he's, he's um, showing that he's a player who can actually pass the football. And Newcastle midfielders haven't been able to do that much in recent years. So he's making a big difference as well. Yeah, the one real standout player that they bought, Guimaraes, made making a big difference. But those homegrown players that know the Premier League inside out, um, like Matt Target, were, were crucial as well. If you'd have told me at Christmas that Newcastle would be ahead of Villa, I'd have thought, hello, Championship, my old friend. Yeah. How, yeah. how have you been? I mean, that just tells you that well, hopefully that's not going to happen to Villa, but Newcastle are absolutely flying, and I hate talking about it because I know the producer's going to be just smiling away. Uh, yeah, he's just flashed up on the screen. There he, he is. really smile, look at that. I think one of their w- wins, actually, they've won six at home on the bounce now. I think one of them was against Villa, wasn't it? It was the Villa win that started it all off. Of course. That makes complete sense. Yeah, and of course we started it off. That's what we've done all season for teams. On that high note, we'll end the podcast. Thanks ever so much for listening and thanks to Greg and Holly for joining me as always. We will be back next week to talk about all things Aston Villa. Have a great rest of the week of the Villa. Athletic.